And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the show, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM in the Raiders mobile app. JT with you. I hope you're having a great day. A lot to get to today. Some of the Raiders are over here in Summerlin at the Las Vegas ballpark uh, getting ready for the Pro Bowl. If you're going to the Pro Bowl, I'd like to know. We'd like to hear from you if you're taking the kids, if you're going to the Pro Bowl. As we get going here, hour number two, as we are brought to you by BillsHappen.com. If you need cash, up to $5,000 in a day. They're Raider fans. They're ready for you. BillsHappen.com. BillsHappen.com. I promise you, you'll feel like a real client, they'll take care of you. They're Raider fans. They want to do business with you. Billshappen.com. So we have the NHL All-Star Game, and we have the Pro Bowl here in town. Bunch A whole bunch of concerts, a whole bunch of celebrities here in town. A little bit cold, a little bit chilly for some, but the weather should be really cool over the weekend. And this really was the vision of what could happen if the Raiders moved here. We know that we have some listeners who are still bitter about it. We understand We understand that if you're listening in the Bay Area and Oakland, you aren't happy about the move to Vegas, but the team is here and we got the Pro Bowl and we have the NHL All-Star Game and we have all these events here in town because when you build it, they will come. And that's a topic for another day. I just wanted to fit it in here at the top of the hour because we can see what this is doing for the economy here. And we knew it would be good for the economy here. The stadium, the baseball stadium out here by me, is flourishing, but they've had to deal with two straight seasons of COVID. Don Logan and his team do a great job. Jim Gemma, they're activating the ballpark. They did it over the Christmas holiday. It's fantastic. It really is the jewel of minor league baseball. I mean, you can put a major league team there, and I'd be fine. I, mean, I don't want the A's here. I don't want the A's here at any cost. Some people do. We won't fight over it. You can put a major league team at this ballpark. They're going to instill robots this year. are going to have robot umpires as a test stadium, and now they're having Pro Bowl practice today. We have the East-West Shrine game. As you know, we like to be involved with the Shriners when it comes to golf, great charity, helping out children. It's fantastic. So that's Thursday. Then the skills competition for hockey and what they're going to be doing at the Bellagio and some of the other skills contests are going to look really cool. Now here's a topic for you. I think they ruined the absolute – I'm going to the Pro Bowl Sunday. My wife and I – going with a bunch of friends because we love going to Allegiant Stadium. They ruined the Pro Bowl with a lack of competition, and they ruined the NHL All-Star Game with a lack of competition. They just did. I mean, the NHL All-Star Game, three-on-three, you know, what they tried to do, there's no hitting, there's no checking, there's no nothing. And the Pro Bowl got taken down to such a low level in Hawaii. when they, I forget the year the Pro Bowl, no one tackled, like they were handing the ball up the middle. And guys weren't even tackling running backs. It was just disgusting. And now they're trying to launch it again and make it more, give it a little bit more incentive with money and hope that the players show up. But a lot of players don't care about being pro bowlers. They want to get voted to the list and then they back out. I think it's a sham. That's a word we've been using here a lot lately. It's a sham that players get elected to the pro bowl and they won't play in the pro bowl. I mean, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you go down the list. This is an honor. Ask Warren Moon, who we had on last week. He said he'd been going to Hawaii for 27 years, many of them playing in the game. 
the players before all these younger players today used to go to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii and actually play the game. What's changed now? Well, it's easy. What's changed is money. There's more money, and a player doesn't want to tear his Achilles and blow out his knee in, a, in an exhibition game and miss next season. I get that. But you've got to do a better job making the game more competitive. So what they've done, and they've taken this from the NBA, is they built the skills challenge. We'll see how fast someone can run, how quickly they can shoot a puck, what they can do, and I think it's good for the kids. I think the kids like that in general and enjoy that. So that's what's happening here in Las Vegas coming up here this weekend. You have skills competition in hockey and in football so little kids can run around and watch their favorite players or not play games and little little games, how fast they can run, shoot the puck, and they throw the ball through this. It's for the kids. So send the kids to the event like Steph McKenzie, who joins us from 97, won the point and wanted to talk about this. This is what you dreamed of as you were here in Vegas and no one was. Well, there were people here, but not the sports teams like there are now. And look what we got this weekend, Steph, hockey and football. I know. I'm total heaven. And the Shriners Bowl tonight, which I'm going to with the Vegas Good. Golden Knights football organization. So I couldn't be happier with what's going on in our world, in our backyard here in Las Vegas. Well, you love the stadium. So I know that if it's the Shriners or whatever, there's events <laughs> you've emceed there. You want to get back into that stadium. You have, your, you, you have to get that stadium vibe in your life as much That's- as you can. Absolutely. And when you get to take the kids, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there. The kids are so excited, right? They really enjoy this where we look at it like we do with everything else on the bottom line. Like, God, this is like a million. Like, look at all the money they put in this thing. Like, look at this and look at that. And wow, that's so fancy. And the kids just think it's just bigger than life, right? So it's fun to watch it through their eyes, too. Yeah, and it brings a lot of entertainment. You know better than me the concerts and the entertainment around that. Vegas has just so many entertainers who are in town, but you then bring in those next level of entertainers who are going to work around these gigs and lounge acts and all of that, and it fills up the hotel rooms, and it gives everybody another reason to come out and see our great city. Well, and speaking of that, we got the chance to check out Lionel Richie last night at Encore. Have you seen him before, JT? I have, but I haven't seen him in a long time. How was it? Oh, he's just amazing and wow. is awesome. And he looked at this guy in the front row and he was sitting next to the lady and he's, you know, he said something like, you can thank me later. Cause he's got, such <laughs> a, you know, great love making songs. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. Look at Steph McKenzie getting a groove on it. Alina Richie show. Yes. She joins yeah. us from 97, won the point. Uh, let's jump in because you and I were texting about all the Raider change, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler coming in. We both liked Mike Mayock. We go back to John Gruden and before that. So a lot of change on the horizon as the Raiders are now building a new staff. Okay, let me tell you, first of all, like you, I'm sure my phone was blowing up. And like the caller who called you a little bit ago in Illinois, you know, I'm the same way. Let's move on. Oh, it's a Patriot. It's the curse to the Raiders because I can't handle that anymore. If one more person calls me, JT, did you have this? Oh, my gosh, it's from the Patriots. How do you feel about that? I'm like, is that really how we're going to start this conversation on? Because it was really about Tom Brady, I think. (laughs) So I'm good. I'm good. I'm moving on. I'm a Raider fan, and I'm embracing it. I'm not angry. I'm sad to see him go. You know, I mean, God, the Raiders went through so much last year. And as a Raider fan, as a hardcore Raider queen that I am, change has to happen sometimes, and that's inevitable. And I think this is a great change. 
Yeah, I mean, the change is a big change. And, again, you got to be optimistic if you're a fan of the team. You want the team to take the, the next step forward. You're a Derek Carr fan. You, I'm, I'm assuming, and I want to hear what you have to say, that this will elevate Derek Carr. It's just new eyes on him. I like the coaches before, and I think that Derek took his game to a certain level. And now the expectations with Josh McDaniels in six Super Bowls is that he's going to have to play better in bigger situations, maybe last drive of a game in Cincinnati, other opportunities to score. I hope this elevates uh, Derek to even a more higher level, maybe that elite level everybody's talking about. I love how you said different pair of eyes on him coming in because if you look at the stats, Josh McDaniels was, what, seventh in the red zone? What did we talk about all last year? Get it done in the red zone, and they kept missing it and missing it. So maybe this is the twist to help them and to calm down and to finish and not just take three points all the time. Not that we don't love three points, but, man, I'd love to see more red zone, you know, explosion. And you're also Steph McKenzie's our guest. We're a fan of Gus Bradley and the defense. It looks like they're going with new defensive coaches there. I said before you came on, I thought the defense did a lot of great things. The reason why this team went to the playoffs and played in some really iconic games, especially the Charger game, the defense made plays throughout the course of the season. Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, Trayvon Merrick. I was excited by it, but there was some flaws in the red zone defense. My point is the defense has to get better no matter who this new defensive coordinator is, and it's got to get better quickly. Well, and I like that we had the defense stepping up. I mean, look at the years prior to this and prior to that, right? Oh, my gosh. It was just oh, – it was a nightmare almost. So this was a really good year as far as I'm concerned, as far as defense. But you're right. I mean, you can't come into one game and just be awesome and the next game suck and the next game be great. And we need consistency. And that's what I think the struggle is, not just for – the whole team and management, but as Raider Nation, we're looking for consistency throughout. All right, so finally going around, I usually bring these questions to Johnny Katz. Noah Dell, what happened? And not that you were going to pay $5,000. You get, oh, you right. seem to get more comps than anybody I know, but the fact that she was so <laughs> close to performing and now so far away, how do you see that story? Well, and you've heard, you've seen all the social media about yeah, her boyfriend and things are twisted and going to, it's getting crazy and who really knows what the real story is, but it's sad that they came out with COVID, which I don't think that that wasn't a problem, but now it's her boyfriend. I mean, my God, that girl, I feel bad for her. She needs to get it together and step out of, step it on up and get back here to Vegas. Kick yeah, that we need- to the curb. We needed some Vegas shows. So uh, so you're excited. We'll talk to you after this whole coaching staff is kind of put together. We'll talk free agency with you. We've anchored the draft together. The draft is coming up. I know you're going to do a deep dive. on, But we both agree the Raiders should go offensive line. Not so much in the draft, but they got to get a couple of new offensive linemen in there and free agency, trades, whatever it takes. Oh, I totally 100% agree. And I, you know what I think? I think we should take it to the next level, J.D. What do you think about this? We'll fly over a crowd before we launch and land into wherever we're going to broadcast for the draft. It's going to be fun. There's a lot happening. It kicks (laughs) off this weekend with the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl. Which one are you going to? You say you're going to the Pro Bowl or the All-Star Game? What are you doing? I haven't decided. We've we've got tickets to go to everything. I, of course, lean more towards the Pro Bowl because I'm a football person. And, of course, kicking it off with the Shriners tonight, which I'm really excited about. Yes, have fun there, and I'll see you at the torch if you make it to the Pro Bowl. Thank you. Absolutely. JT, go Raiders. 
There she is, Steph McKenzie, the undisputed queen. She's been here from day one. She loves the Raiders, and she's been blowing up my phone to come on and talk about this. Also, my podcast partner, Tom Looney, we dropped the new podcast. He'll join us a little bit later in the show. And I want to get into all the issues surrounding Brian Flores still. If you didn't get a chance to call in on that and you have something that you want to add to it, just as a football fan, on what's happening with the timeline heading into the Super Bowl with this big scorched earth Brian Flores lawsuit, are you on the side of the coach? I think a lot of people are. Because if you're not on his side, whose side you on? Stephen Ross, the NFL, it is a complicated story. We're keeping an eye on that, and we'll talk about it with an insider coming up here in a little bit, uh, and I'm excited about that because it's going to be important to find out the legal side of this story going forward. Daniel Wallach will join us. He's a gaming law analyst, a sports betting analyst, and he reached out to me and wanted to get into this, so we'll talk to him about that. Oh, another thing I want to get to very quickly I need your Cliff Branch photos. Very important. So everyone, please listen to me. This is important at Super Bowl. One of the reasons I'm going to L.A. is Thursday night is the honor show, the NFL honors, where hopefully Cliff Branch, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, is going to be announced as a Hall of Famer. So what I want you to do all week long, starting now, right now, is hashtag Cliff Branch. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Hashtag Cliff Branch, because I don't want you to uh, hashtag Cliff Branch HOF Hall of Fame because he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. So I think the hashtag should be Cliff Branch, and I want everyone in the Raider Nation, if you want to tag me on it, if you want to tag Raider Nation Radio, I said we were going to do this this week going into our coverage of the Super Bowl and the Hall of Fame announcement. So if you could all do this, it takes a second, go to your phone, find a picture of Cliff. If you, you knew Cliff, everybody knew Cliff. I mean, how many pictures did Cliff take with the Raider Nation? And just hashtag your picture with Cliff. Hashtag it Cliff Branch. You can do it on Facebook or you can do it on Twitter, wherever you want to do it, Instagram, and make sure we get the Cliff vibe out. Not going to get too emotional yet, but I'm going into the I'm going into L.A. That's my priority. Priority one is Cliff. Priority two is radio. Priority three is seeing my friends because I used to live out there. And priority four will be partying and having a good time because that's why I'm going. But priority one for me is Cliff Branch because if this happens, it is one of the great moments in Raider history. Long overdue. We're hoping for Jim Plunkett as always, Phil Villapiano, Lester Hayes, all the icons in Raider history. But next up, Cliff Branch. So I want to look at my phone here over the next seven or eight days and see everyone in the Raider Nation. Hashtag Cliff Branch. At Raider Nation Radio, let's get the numbers up. Numbers are important. Let's get the numbers up and do it for Cliff because his family in Texas is expecting you to be there for him in spirit. And we got to do this together. So I don't ask for anything. I don't ask you to buy T-shirts and JT the Brick cups and hats. All I'm asking you to do is support Cliff Branch. We all have that in mind. It's all a passion for all of us, and it's here. They're moving up the honors from Saturday to Thursday. So a week from today should be Clip Branch Day. You, you let Drew Pearson and Harold Carmichael in before Cliff Branch? Well, wait a second. Wait a second. You made, you, you made Ken Stabler wait until he passed away? You made Tom Flores wait until he was 83? Cliff Branch has passed away, and now you're making him wait for that? No, 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 no. 
got to clean this up. So the, ha- the hashtag is Cliff Branch with your photo with him, or you can screenshot another photo, speed kills, or whatever you want to do. But I need your support on this one, and I'm asking you a favor. I do it for Cliff. Hashtag Cliff Branch. When we come back, we'll talk, take a look at the legal side of Brian Flores and what's happening behind the scenes. Who should be most concerned? Stephen Ross, the Giants, the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, they have a new name for a team, the Washington Commanders. What a failure that is. Are you kidding me? The Washington Commanders? It took two years to come up with that crap? Give me a break. We didn't have to file a lawsuit for, for the world to know that there's a problem from a, from a hiring standpoint in regards to minority coaches in the National Football League. The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, we filed a lawsuit so that we could create some change, and that's important to me. I think we're at a fork in the road right now. You know, we're either going to keep it the way it is mm-hmm. or we're going to go in another direction and actually make some real change where we're actually changing the hearts and minds of those who make decisions to hire head coaches, executives, etc. That's Brian Flores. Very strong comments about why he brought the lawsuit against the NFL. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. All their five locations in town. Best pizza I've ever had. Cold fire, brick oven pizza. Perfect for weather like this. Bring some Grimaldi's pizza home tonight. We'll stay on the Brian Flores story with Daniel Wallach. Kind enough to join us. A sports legal attorney who's involved in sports in all aspects and knows a lot about this story. I'm happy we're able to bring him on today. And Daniel, thanks for doing this. How big of a story is this from when the news broke to the homework that you've been studying with this lawsuit? What can you tell us? Well, it makes the NFL wish that they had the St. Louis Rams relocation lawsuit substituted in its place. If you think that was bad enough, this is many times worse because it it, it goes directly to the heart of some of the pressure points and, and vulnerabilities in the NFL's uh, you know, system, you know, racism, discrimination, and of course, the integrity of the game, tanking and tampering. This is a lawsuit that, that, is, that is sort of a, a hodgepodge of, of, of different allegations around the main racism allegations. And this is about as bad as it gets uh, in a court of law. This isn't about relocation policies or antitrust or any highfalutin legal issues. This goes to the issue of social justice and, and equal rights and equal opportunities, which apparently are being denied uh, not apparently, but obviously are being denied to uh, black coaches at all levels. And when you look at the workforce relative to what the executive suite looks like, I mean, it's glaring. Even even Troy Vincent in one of the opening mm-hmm. paragraphs of the complaint, uh, Brian Flores's legal counsel highlighted uh, Vincent's quotation. He gave a statement to the Black Coaches Association acknowledging that there's a double standard. So this was a lawsuit that was waiting to happen for many years. It just took it took a it took a plaintiff, it took a coach without any fear or favor or worry about what the repercussions would be. And not every coach is willing to put himself on the line like that because they all want back in to the National Football League. There are only so many jobs to go around. And Brian Flores, you know, just reached the breaking point with that Bill Belichick text. Yeah, I agree. That was the breaking point. Daniel Wallach joins us. The podcast is fantastic. Conduct detrimental. 
And I want to get into what you think is the smoking gun here. When you hear about the, the integrity issue, Stephen Ross put out a statement completely denying this, looking to fully cooperate with the NFL investigation. So Flores is saying that the owner came to him wanting him to lose so that would gain and advance the draft for the organization, and he would pay the coach a bonus of 100000 for each loss. And Ross is completely denying it. So what do we have to see next? A corroborating witness who was there with Flores, audio tape, something that was texted or written down. What do you see next? Well, there will be audio tape. There will be the, uh, you know, the, the uh, placing witnesses under oath when, when we're in a litigation context. Um, Brian Flores is going to have the right and the opportunity to take depositions. And if, if, if an accusation or, or a bribe like this was ever tendered, one would think Flores would have told somebody about it contemporaneously with the bribe or alleged bribe being tendered. He would tell somebody on his coaching staff. He would tell friends. And, and there's some reporting on NFL.com that there's a witness to this conversation. So this is all going to come out in civil discovery and certainly the NFL shouldn't sit on its uh, on its hands on the sidelines and not investigate this. This this cries out for a league investigation immediately. But the, but this is a double edged sword, because what the league finds out in its investigation could become discoverable in the civil litigation context and give Brian Flores even more ammunition. Let's talk about Stephen Ross and what you expect from him. He already put out the statement, as I said, it's deny, deny, deny. You as an attorney know people deny if they feel confident that there's no evidence against them. And even if they believe someone is lying who claims to be the witness there, they'll just deny that. I just wonder what a multi-billionaire is thinking when we look at the situation, Daniel, because if this is true, he loses his team. It's an integrity issue, and I know you study sports gaming to see that a league could have an owner that could change the outcome of a game by telling a coach to lose games on purpose. If he loses this case or if it goes that far, there's no way he can hold on to the team. Is that fair? That's right, but he could put his, he could put his thumb on the scale in other ways too, not just simply asking the coach uh, to have the players give less than their best effort. He can, he can impact the roster composition, mm-hmm. uh, free agent decisions. It's not only the coach who impacts the game. The owner could could impact it in other, you know, other, you know, sort of less than obvious ways. But but uh, besides having the, the risk of losing his NFL team, the the attempt or the offer of a bribe is a felony under both federal law, namely the the Sports Bribery Act, which is a federal statute, and Florida has a similar. Sports, sports bribery law, which makes the offer of a bribe to a coach to, you know, to, to lose a game on purpose, a third degree felony. So these acts, if they're proven to be true, are going to cause or could cause Ross uh, even graver consequences in the criminal arena. So I think the potential loss of an NFL team could become the least of his worries. But in the short term, that's the immediate concern that he faces. And if there's any corroboration any other witnesses out there that mm-hmm. can that can that can offer testimony to back up Brian Flores, the league is going to have a tough time here. Uh, uh, you know, just uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, letting letting uh, I'm sorry, letting letting Ross off the hook. A second witness, I think, would sound the death knell to his ownership mm-hmm. tenure of the Miami Dolphins. Otherwise, it becomes a case of he said 
and she said, and and that is going to be very difficult to prove by any by any preponderance of the evidence when you have two people telling opposite sides of the story. Mm-hmm. The proof is, though, the $100,000 bribe seems to be a little out of character for what a coach should be. You know, if you're going to offer a bribe, you don't offer a per diem amount on a per game loss. You offer the coach more job security. If this is a rookie coach in his first year in the National Football League and he's being asked to throw games, you would think the uh, you would think an extension to the existing contract to give him more job security would be the kind of bribe that would be offered rather than one hundred thousand dollars per loss. And when you look at the difference between what the what the Dolphins actually did lose, which was eleven games, versus what they needed to lose, which was probably fifteen games, mm-hmm. that amounts to only four hundred thousand dollars ask a coach who's being paid several million dollars a year to basically put his livelihood and his liberty on the line uh, in a situation where uh, you know he's not being compensated nearly enough for that type of uh, you know for that type of uh, you know alleged participation so the notion of this kind of bribe doesn't sound like it would equate to a reasonable offer for that kind of consequence but if he's saying it's true he's putting his own reputation and his lawyer's reputation on the line and if these are just bald-faced lies he's going to be sanctioned his attorney is going to be sanctioned so this is basically a, a very high stakes game that flores is playing and i would be i would be shocked if he'd make an allegation like that that had no basis in fact so there may be a misunderstanding there may be two sides to the story it may not right. be exactly as brian flores has characterized it but the, the bare denial at the outset by an owner or by the NFL holds no legal sway because you expect nothing else from the accused but to issue a denial. And the proof is going to come out in discovery. And if there's any contemporaneous written evidence or other oral testimony by other people who have, who have knowledge of the facts, it's all going to come out in depositions. Daniel Walk is our guest, sports law attorney, host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast. Really appreciate his insight. So what quickly do you see with the Giants? And Flores is alleging a sham interview where Dable was already agreed to to be the head coach. Belichick knew about it. The text messages going back and forth. It seems like that's what put Flores over the top. We both agree to it. But what's the liability to Mara and Tish, the owner of the Giants? Well, I mean, they're being accused of conducting a sham interview, and they're a party to the alleged discrimination. So they would uh, they would face the risk of uh, liability being imposed against them and monetary damages. But in the short term, the public relations battle that they might be facing, I don't think there's any guarantee that Patrick Graham, who has a, an open spot to come back as a defensive coordinator, now creates the uh, you know the risk that he may just say the hell with it because his own interview with the Giants to be the head coach was a sham interview. Now Graham is going to have opportunities to be the D.C. for other football teams, such as the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think there's an open question as to whether he comes back under these circumstances because if if Flores was humiliated and embarrassed by an interview that was a sham, well, that extends to, to Patrick Graham as well, who went through the identical experience of being interviewed for a position he had no shot at getting, simply to satisfy the Rooney rule. All right, Daniel, when you look at the NFL and Roger Goodell now, this is really the big question. What are they scrambling for? They're getting ready to head out to the suite, the executive suite. They're at penthouses in Bel Air and Hollywood. They're putting on a show, the Super Bowl. They got the Gruden, the Gruden lawsuit, and this one with Flores now. How concerned do you think Roger Goodell is, or do you think Roger Goodell has these high-priced attorneys 
part of the NFL that are going to fight this back. Should he feel confident as he heads out to Los Angeles next week for the Super Bowl? Well, the NFL's response won't be due for another 20 days. So uh, the next big event in this in this story won't occur until after the Super Bowl is played. So I think it's a it's an ongoing you know cloud that hovers over the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think having it play out, you know, a week before Super Bowl week, you get the worst of the headlines out of the way. But there's no doubt as you go to Radio Row, you know, every mm-hmm. every single media outlet will be covering uh, these allegations. The Gruden case is sort of on, a, on, on, on pause until there's oral arguments on a motion to dismiss. So those aren't going to get worse. But the, the, the Washington football team, congressional hearing is taking place. And then to have the racism, or the, the, the case brought by Flores, be front and center during Super Bowl week, there's no question it's going to be on the minds of all the media and it's, and it's, and it's going to interfere with what the NFL wants to create in terms of a, of a show and a spectacle. But when the game is on, on Super Bowl Sunday, I, I don't think people are going to be conflicted as much. But this is the worst uh, legal problem. I think that the biggest lawsuit in the history of the National Football League in terms of uh, exposure public relations and going to the institution's own business practices. And there's been nothing like this in the history of the league, but it won't be, it won't be resolved today, tomorrow, or next week. A class action lawsuit, JT, takes years to play out. Uh, There are many ops. There are two sides to the story, maybe even three sides to the story. And there are many obstacles in the way uh, that Flores will have to overcome to even have a chance of getting to trial. So, uh, the first shot was fired by Flores, but now we get to hear the National Football League's response, and, the, and that response won't come until after the Super Bowl and most likely will take the form of a, of a motion to dismiss for failure to state a cause of action. So, uh, you know, the, 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 this, the fireworks have already occurred, and now it's a long march towards discovering the truth and ultimately getting their day in court. Thank you so much, Daniel. We'll have you on not only with these congressional hearings, the Gruden emails and what happened there, but more on Brian Flores. Thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, JT. My pleasure as always. Have a great day. You have a great day too. Daniel Wallach, follow him at Wallach Legal. He's a good guest. I had him on, a, I think at the beginning of the Gruden email issue back when, and, and we wanted to have him on again. He reached out to me. He added a lot on what's happening here with Brian Flores, which is a very controversial topic, which I don't think is d- divisive. I don't think a lot of fans are listening today going, I hate Brian Flores. I love Brian Flores. They just want to get to the bottom of this and find out if the owner of the Miami Dolphins, who voted against the Raiders' relocation to Las Vegas, the only vote, if this is an owner that needs to be out, he needs to be out of the league. If not, and Stephen Ross can prove that he didn't do anything, or Flores can't prove that, then the NFL will go on like it always does. But Brian Flores, this is his moment. And we're talking about it here on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up, my podcast partner, Tom Looney. 14 years on the radio with him. We dropped the new podcast. Everything from Ozarks Season 4 to Whoopi Goldberg's suspension. Yeah, Whoopi's out. She said something really stupid. Brian Flores and a whole bunch more. Uh, Looney will join us next as we continue, and we'll wrap it up tomorrow. Big show, and then Tuesday, off to Los Angeles. For two shows on Radio Row, noon to 2 and 7 to 10 p.m. all week. And the guest list, the the people who are confirming are incredible. Barry Sanders is in. Warren Moon is in. Tim Brown. Marcus Allen. The list goes on and on. We'll have our great Raider Nation coverage 
next week from the L.A. Convention Center. It's funny, when Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, it was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? But ours, at, ours we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. There ain't none on our place we know of. That's funny when you do it. I love that Jimbo Fisher had the best signing day. Beat Nick Saban, beat Jim Harbaugh, beat them all. Texas A&M. And now everybody's saying how much money did he spend? You believe we've gotten to the point where National Signing Day in college sports, amateur athletics at one point, is how much did you spend to get your players? Let that sink in. Name, image, and likeness. How much did you pay and promise your players to come to your school? Do you believe this? I do. Speaking of believe, my podcast with Tom Looney is on the Believe Podcast Network. The numbers are up thanks to you. And Tom Looney joins us from Los Angeles home of the Super Bowl, but Tom, people are confused. Is it in Englewood? Is it in West Hollywood? Is it in Santa Monica? Is it at Manhattan Beach? How are we going to enjoy the Super Bowl if we don't know where to go? Englewood in the hood up to no good. That's where the Super Bowl is. Beneath the shadow of 747 landing uh, at LAX. It used to be a, a, a racetrack out there called Hollywood Park. It's a really unbelievable facility. Yeah, there's lots of famous you know, neighborhoods in Los Angeles, Hollywood's in Los Angeles, Englewood's in Los Angeles, Long Beach in the house where Snoop Dogg <laughs> is from. You got a lot of famous neighborhoods here. Well, this is a good uh, Super Bowl because Snoop and all of his buddies can just take the back roads to get to the performance, right? Snoop knows all the back roads from Inglewood. And he can go from Compton, pick up Dre. Everybody can just meet up at the Super Bowl. I'm sure I'm sure they're not going to have a problem as, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop want to go from their mansions to Inglewood. They know the back roads. Well, so do Laker fans, <laughs> uh, diehard Laker fans. who used to go to the Forum, the new stadium, SoFi, is across the street. From the fabulous forum where the Showtime Lakers used to play, so the the, the, the white people know how to sneak in from the west. <laughs> uh, this is a serious question because right. living in Vegas and you mean you have been out here for so many fights, sitting ringside together. After a fight, I wouldn't have to leave the MGM Grand. I would stay with you, and we'd go. Do we want to go to Crush? Do we want to go to Craft oh. Steak? Do we want to go to the new? you know, uh, Italian restaurant with Scott Gertner right after the fight when we felt like like the, the perspiration of the fighters were on us. And in Vegas, if you want to come to a Raider game, I can get you 15 minutes after the game into one of the great steakhouses. How many people after a sporting event for the Rams and Chargers want to stay in Inglewood? How are they trapping those fans in that economy not to race back to Malibu or the Hollywood Hills or the Valley? Is that going to work? Oh, eventually it will. You know, it did with Staples Center. They built an incredible downtown environment. around Downtown uh, Los Angeles, before Staples Center, there was knee-deep in vomit. But now it's a thriving, thriving, great place where young people live, and it's got a thriving economy. And it all began with Staples Center. And we had had a, a businessman who was mayor, Richard Reardon, he was one of those low-calorie Republicans like you. He oh, drank like a lot. Yeah, he, he drank a lot <laughs> and you know, and sat, sat on a float in the gay parade, even though he was straight. You know, even, and so that, that was a low-calorie Republican mayor we had in L.A. who was terrific. 
and he was, uh, you know, he he was the guy with one of the shovels uh, trying to get Staples Center downtown across the street from his restaurant. It worked, and uh, and the entire downtown thrived. And in Inglewood, where the stadium is, where a lot of people over the years have been afraid of that neighborhood, it's also a lot of families live in that neighborhood mostly. Um, but you know, gangster rap gave it a, rep- a reputation. They're building up a whole environment around that stadium over the next ten to twenty years that will be thriving and incredible. Looney joins me. We got our podcast. It's up and running as always. JT and Looney, you can find it wherever you download your podcast. We got a little bit out there. We talked about Whoopi Goldberg being suspended. The update today since the podcast dropped, and she doesn't like this. She might quit. And I have a rule with Whoopi that I use in life. I never talk about that guy, that awful human being from Germany back in the day of the war, because I said, if you ever mention that name and you go down that road like Whoopi did, you're going to get fired. So I avoid that topic. I think we need to educate ourselves on the Holocaust and all wars and every everything that's bad in the history of the world here, but I avoid that bob wire fence, and Whoopi just kept digging the hole, digging the hole, digging the hole, and her gals, her girlfriends from The View, didn't throw her a lifeline. What happened there? Oh, well, yeah, the podcast consultants advised us to talk more about Whoopi, so we did. <laughs> Get our numbers but, up, talking about Whoopi's suspension. But, yeah, a couple of things. We, you and I, I think one of the reasons why we were on the air so long together uh, was because we did have that rule, and it wasn't unwritten. We spoke about it. Don't make analogies. This is sports. Don't make analogies to Holocaust or slavery. It's sports. Stick with it. You can make much better analogies. And, uh, you know, if you want to make an analogy to something uh, ugly or silly, then refer to your, your, your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. There's much more fun you can have with analogies than using something so dark and sinister. You know, they get into more deep dives, allegedly, on that show, and so she got herself into some difficult territory. A lot of times we have to remember, though, we can't cancel somebody for being wrong, especially when they own it. You know, if, 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 if we talk about race or ethnicity, religion, uh, and racial issues, and we are wrong, you know, because there's, there's plenty of times we do, especially to white guys like you and me. If you admit, oh, I was wrong about that, I apologize. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're a racist if you're wrong. And people know where your soul is if you're willing to apologize rather than double down tom Looney joins us yeah i don't support cancel culture neither do you a couple raider fans want to cancel me they slide into my dms when i knock the running back from having more no more than 60 yards if you're gonna get canceled you gotta get canceled for the right reason but we talked about that on the podcast now that some uh members of the media that stir the pot on race or they know nothing and they got it wrong initially on COVID and they now get interviewed on COVID and all the stuff that makes my head want to pop. We don't support cancel culture when it comes to words. As long if you there's a rule of how far you can go, but comedians, you're you're a guy that loves comedy in LA. Comedians shouldn't be canceled, pundits on cable news shouldn't. And Whoopi Goldberg said something really dumb and wrong, and she should have been able to apologize and keep her job and not be suspended for a few weeks. Well, right. When you use, as you know, when you're out on the high wire, like like you are every day of your life, you're out on that, you know, we, we all, just as good people, you agree, who, who believe, we both think we have good souls on these issues, and we never believed in punching down on the podcast or on the talk show and going after minorities as to white guys. It was just vulgar. 
But I think when you're out there, but even though that's our philosophy, when you're out there on the high wire, you can really say something dumb. And if you do, you got to apologize for it. If you, if, you know, if you believe in your soul that it was dumb and that you were wrong, you have to apologize. You can't double down. But you know, we we tend to stick up for people, right? Or uh, even if they upset us, if they're out there on the high wire, because we know what that's like. Tom Looney joins us. Download our podcast, JT and Looney. You can find it wherever you download it. I have it at both of our Twitter pages and Facebook pages. As we wrap this up. You know, I'm watching Ozark season four after I watched all the Yellowstone. So I finally found some new shows that I like. I like Breaking oh. Bad. I like Sopranos. So then finally I got into Yellowstone and I feel like I need to put on a cowboy hat and boots. I want to race to Montana. I want to go find a horse. <laughs> I want to go out and look over the mountains there. But I only want to do it in the summer. See, I'm not strong enough and tough enough to be a cowboy in Montana when it's cold. I want to go fishing on a lake when it's warm and enjoy Yellowstone. Aren't those guys amazing that came across in 1849 to mine for gold? And they're they're on horses and, and horse-drawn carriages and the dogs running behind. And, oh, my, those, I mean, those were tough guys. And so I can't wait. You know, I haven't seen that. You you, you alerted me to that. And Ozark, I'm first, the, the final season of Ozark, allegedly, it's the final season. It's the fourth season, and it's going to be 14 episodes in two parts. And I have seen all seven of part one, and it's just as incredible. I need, and you need, and we all need a little more Jason Bateman, Marty Bird in our life. No matter what chaos is around, he's like a, a pilot or a, a commercial airlines pilot on 747 who's always even. No matter what horrible things people <laughs> say to him or do to him, he never loses his cool. We could all use a little bit of that. Yeah, Tom, and I'm one, as you know, you always point out, I'm one of the few guys left on sports radio that have my original wife, and I don't raise yes. my voice to her, and she oh doesn't yell at me. But if she did or I did, I'd just be like Jason Bateman. I'd never raise my voice to my wife, even when things were going chaotic with our kids in college and high school and all that. Isn't that what we should all learn from Jason Bateman, no matter if the cartel's trying to kill you or something's wrong with the riverboat gambling, you just keep your blood pressure down, you don't raise your voice, and then everything will get fixed. Yeah, but you and I shouldn't be allowed to give that advice. <laughs> <laughs> or the hypocrite alarm will go off. <laughs> hey, last one real quick. Uh, your takeaway, we podcast on Brian Flores. I feel for everyone it doesn't matter skin color. I don't see race that way. But when a black coach says that his owner wanted him to tank games for more money and then he loses his job and then allegedly John Elway shows up hung over for an interview and the Giants make him go on a sham interview, where does this pop up on your radar with the severity of what the NFL is dealing with, also including the John Gruden emails and the congressional roundtable? Tough time to be Roger Goodell, huh? It's a tough time to be Roger Goodell. And, you know, people have to speak up. Every once in a while, we have friends, relatives, neighbors, coworkers who don't look like you and me, who go through a lot more than we realize. And when Flores spoke up and talked about it, now other guys are coming out, other guys uh, of color who wanted to keep their jobs, so they haven't said anything over the years. And so it's, he's saying the stuff we already knew out loud. Some but the Rooney rule, that sometimes mm -hmm. people were given uh, patronizing interviews. We kind of always knew that, but assumed that, but nobody ever said it out loud, and nobody ever had proof 
Looks like he's got it. Hey, I got permission from our program director here at Raider Nation Radio to bring you by our Airbnb in Little Tokyo. So I want you to show That's us great. the way of the, the, the land, uh, the sushi that we're supposed to have there and uh, the quick road, the back roads to the convention center. We're counting on you. Little Tokyo is amazing. Our friendship's are amazing. And one of the reasons our friendship is so amazing is your first wife. I adore her. <laughs> Thank you. My only wife will appreciate that. Take care, Looney. Thank you for doing this. I see ya. That's Tom Looney. We got a new podcast. They want us to do two a week now. Two a week. So we do it. It's only 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. We talk like we just talked there. Think you'll like it. It's a different side, but it's based in sports. And it's kept our friendship together. We worked together 14 years, and then when that path ended and I was doing this show, and he, he works at KABC in L.A. as a Really successful news anchor. We kept this podcast going so we can interrupt each other. You can find it wherever you download your podcast. So, fun show today, a little bit different. We're waiting on more Raider news on the staff. I think that'll be the big topic of discussion heading into the Super Bowl, how the Raiders have a philosophy, uh, Ziegler and McDaniels on what they want on the defensive side of the ball. If some coaches remain, if others don't, we will wish them well, like we had since Rich Basaccia was here. We're friends with Tom Cable, who I got on the Madden bus with, uh, Johnny Morton, Greg Olson. Uh, last time I really hung out with Greg Olson was at the Bolitnikoff event over at Paris, where he was donating money, his own money, to the Bolitnikoff Foundation. Great human being, great guy, and all the other coaches that have been here in the past who will remain here, and we hope to get to know the new coaches as they come in, because the Raider fans are on a path to wanting great things to happen here in Las Vegas. Eight-win season, ten-win season. And the decision on what players to bring in next. Thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to Bobby, who put the show together. I don't even know what day it is. I'm not joking. I think we got one more show, and then we'll get ready for the Pro Bowl. Oh, NHL All-Star Game. Got a guest on for that tomorrow, which I'm excited about. And when we wake up in the morning, we'll find out what the Raider insiders are saying and what we're hearing in the building, and we'll bring it to you right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to all of our partners. Have a great day, everybody. Fever.